This is No One Knows Anything, the politics podcast from BuzzFeed News. I'm Meg Kramer. This episode, we're taking a step back to look at the U.S. election from a slightly different perspective, Canada's. There hasn't been a whole lot of talk about America's largest trading partner this election cycle, except for all those jokes about people threatening to move there. And of course, there's Donald Trump, who threatened to sue Ted Cruz for being born there. There are other attorneys that feel, and very, very fine constitutional attorneys, that feel that because he was not born on the land, he cannot run for office. Here's the problem. But Canadian news outlets have been following the race from the beginning. This episode, you're going to hear from a few real Canadians, including Daniel Dale, the Washington correspondent for the Toronto Star, who has been covering the campaign since it started over a year ago. You'll also hear from a writer for the Canadian sketch comedy show, This Hour Has 22 Minutes. Joining me is Paul McLeod. He's a politics reporter here in the D.C. Bureau. Hi, Paul. Hi. So you are especially qualified to talk about this. In that I'm a Canadian? In that you are actually Canadian. Yeah, I, I work hard for that qualification. <laughs> and until very recently, you were even living in Canada. Yeah, until about two weeks ago. I just moved down here in the beginning of September. So you've been here for like 16 days. Yes. <laughs> I was in Canada for about 30 years, so yeah. I'm equally qualified to talk about both, I think. Welcome to America. Yeah, thanks. How's it going so far? Uh, it's weird, but it's good. Um, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in America. I've never lived here, but no, it's a little different in a lot of subtle ways, but it's it's good. I feel kind of sad for you because you've arrived in America right on time for the annual tradition that we have where we try to pass a spending bill mm. to fund the government mm -hmm. and basically barely do it every time. So you're, you're covering Congress. Yeah. How, what, what has that been like? How is that different from covering Parliament? In some ways, it's very much the same. Uh, just the day-to-day -day procedures, the debates, the politics of it can be just feel like a sort of bizarro but mirror version of what's happening in Canada. In other ways, um, it's unrecognizable. Your guys' system is very interesting to an outsider. I mean, as you're saying, just like the, the regular battles over keeping the government funded, um, that doesn't happen in Canada or most other places from what I can tell. And I, I, it's, it's fascinating to me that how quickly everything can... Uh, everything becomes political and everything becomes about scoring political points. I mean, even even something like I've been covering this past couple of weeks about uh, funding for combating the Zika virus. And it's something that everyone agrees with i mean both parties are fully supporting you know over a billion dollars in zika funding and yet it can't get passed because of all these sort of proxy fights about things like planned parenthood and the confederate flag which is uh truly surprising coming in as a canadian because th like that type of th that just isn't exactly a thing that would happen in canada in the same way i think that brings us to another point which is that you have come right on time for the yeah. election yeah which has been going on for over a year now yeah the the last federal election in canada was 78 days long which is the longest federal election in canada since 1872 <laughs> yeah, yeah when people had to actually take the train across the country and all. oh oh that's why it was long in 1872 yeah because... the elections used to be quite long because i mean you needed time to actually physically travel around the country but where do you find the time to squeeze in controversies about candidates 
health and their tax returns. I mean, the truth is we have those too, though. I mean, we, we had we had something like a dozen candidates of different parties who had to step down over the last election due to ridiculous social media posts. Um, I mean, the most absurd one was a guy who uh, was on a, a rap lyrics explainer website and was like, writing about like explaining rap lyrics and getting into all this like sexual content and things like that not even actually saying the claims himself just explaining rap lyrics and the conservatives dropped him as a candidate i mean so we have we have the absurdities as well i would just say that they're they're different i mean the 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 medical records is a good a good one to point out we we don't do that in Canada. We don't ask to see our candidates' tax returns or medical records. We see that as private. So it's actually been really interesting to me to see sort of the fear around some of these things, like Hillary Clinton's emails, Trump's medical record, Trump's tax returns. None of these would ever be in the sphere of what is expected to be public in Canada. So uh, it's just a lot of it is different. So let's talk a little bit about this election year tradition among mostly liberal Democrats. Yeah which is threatening to move to Canada if their candidate loses. (laughs) Have you ever met anyone in Canada? I mean, this is not a scientific study of this phenomenon, but have you ever met anyone in Canada who has moved from the U.S.? For political reasons, uh, oh yes, yeah, speaking speaking as uh, on behalf of Canada. Um, <laughs> well, well, well. Actually, the, the surprising answer to your question is yes, absolutely, but not for that. There, there definitely is a, a population of draft dodgers still in Canada from the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked with them. My, my high school music teacher was one. So, like that, th- they are still there, and their their children and all that. Um, but the the whole sort of yeah, every four year, uh, if if X wins, I'm moving to Canada. No, it it never happens, and we sit through it every four years. I don't know if Americans realize this. You can't just move to Canada. <laughs> like we do have an immigration system. You it, it is expensive and hard, and you need a job. Like it's you can't just kind of waltz in and set up shop. Yeah. So I actually called I called an immigration lawyer to ask about this because I was curious to see if like anyone's actually doing it. Her name is Ronna Lee Carey. Uh, She works in Ottawa and Canada lets in about 300,000 people every year or they're on track to let in 300,000 people this year. And there's a a block of that is reserved for refugees, Syrian refugees. And about half of those people will be sort of the, the kind of skilled workers visas or whatever that, that Americans might get in on. But she did tell me that someone has called her to ask about beginning the process of moving to Canada because of Donald Trump. So the first person to contact me uh, was in April, and it was a, a lawyer, actually, a Muslim woman, married to a man of Asian descent, and they had a young child. So an ethnically diverse family, and she was mostly concerned because of her religious background, even though she wasn't practicing. But since then, I've probably done a handful of other consultations where people specifically mentioned either the election or the gun culture in the United States um, and just sort of general political circumstances, and they felt they wanted to raise their children in a more benign environment was how they seemed to put it. Something else she told me is that she's gotten a lot of calls from people trying to figure out if they are already Canadian. Yeah. So, like, if they have right to claim Canadian citizenship because they have a parent who's Canadian. And yeah. they do, because that's how Canadian citizenship works. 
the element you brought up is interesting. I mean, instead of it normally just being sort of like white urban liberals, if you were a, a Muslim family and then you have one of the uh, two presidential candidates talking about like ending all Muslim immigration and all that, I mean, that is a, it's a different um, uh, set of circumstances that you're, you're running through your head than just someone saying, I really don't like George Bush and I'm going to move to Canada. I, I'm, I'm actually always very entertained when Republicans say that, which, which does happen. <laughs> Uh, Republicans say, like, oh, if Obama wins again, I'm moving to Canada. And to which, you know, we kind of look at that and go, do you realize what Canada is? Like, Canada is America if the Democrats won all the time. So you've been covering the U.S. election for a little while now, not just the last two weeks that you've been here. Yes, yeah. And you were at the conventions. Uh, I was at the Republican convention in Cleveland. What has that been like for you? I mean, before, like, covering the U.S. elections, you must have followed them from Canada. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, one thing, I've learned a few things. I mean, for one thing, I've learned all of the stereotypes are true. Uh, <laughs> American politics is kind of like Canadian politics on bath salts. Like, it's just a lot <laughs> louder and, and faster and kind of more angry and just more over the top. Um, everything is just it's just very, like, sort of made for TV. I, I coming down here, I wasn't really sure if that was going to be if that was a misconception. That is sort of a view of American politics from Canada is that it's just really, really, you know, not to be dismissive, but a bit over the top, like just really like huge characters, um, really uh, can be kind of nasty politics. And um, no, that it all sounds about right. It's like so far, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, okay, this 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 is kind of lines up with my expectations. Okay, so next we're going to hear from someone who covers the U.S. election for a Canadian audience. Daniel Dale is the Washington correspondent for the Toronto Star. Hi, Daniel. Hey, how are you? I'm good. So you cover all kinds of things in the U.S., not just the election. But I imagine that it's taking up quite a bit of your time lately. Yeah, that's been basically all anyone in Canada has cared about for for a while. Why do you think Canadians are so fascinated by it? Well, I mean, to some extent, it's it's the obvious. It's Trump is this the object of worldwide fascination. There's never been anything like him. I think, um, you know, people are watching this as sport, as entertainment. But then I think also with confusion, you know, they, there's just this this level of non-comprehension that, you know, this is even a, a relatively competitive race. What are some of the like explanations that you turn to or that people turn to to try to understand how this is happening? What I try to convey to people is is the fact that uh, Americans like Clinton much less than Canadians do and people uh, elsewhere in the world do. Um, you know, there, there's such a deep dis- distrust of her that exists in, in much of the country, you know, and to some extent everywhere in the country. And Canadians, I don't, I don't think fully get it. You know, they see her as this sort of conventional, you know, regular liberal figure with with some flaws, but not greater than other politicians. So, yeah, so it's conveying the, the level of antipathy to, to Clinton in particular. Do you think it's easier writing for people who aren't voting in this election? Yeah, because they get less mad at you, right? They, uh, <laughs> they like, I, I still, I, I get probably one nasty email a day. I don't know if the, the readers are American or Canadian. Some some say they're Canadian and they, they love Trump usually. Uh, they, they feel like yelling at me. But um, it's, it's easier because, uh, both because, you know, you get less reader uh, anger and criticism and pushback, but also um, you you get less spin from the 
campaigns. So you get all the all the entertainment of covering a, a high stakes campaign, but you're not uh, you're not being you know lobbied and pressured and and called and texted at all hours by by operatives because they often they often don't notice you. So recently, um, the Trump campaign misquoted one of my tweets uh, about his speech in an event uh, they sort of cut it in half and took the praise and omitted the criticism okay. and and blasted it out to uh, I don't know to, to probably other media uh, in their like daily you know but, look at look at what, what the people are saying what was the wording of that, that was, this was amazing I'm forgetting the exact wording yeah the, the wording was like uh, it was at, so it was at the values voter summit where he spoke to Christian like conservatives in fine form or something yeah it was like Trump was in fine form stylistically good spirits he also made things up and <laughs> And called for regime change while trying to denounce regime change. And the, yeah, they tweeted it, out the first half, but yeah, the second half. So they tweeted right. So it was like, so that was, I mean, that was ridiculous and hilarious. But also, to some extent, it was flattering. It's like the Trump campaign knows I exist. The only, the only other time they had acknowledged my existence was when I asked them for a comment about his mental health, and they very quickly sent me a response pointing me to the the medical, uh, the letter from the doctor in which he was declared, you know, the most absurdly, astonishingly healthy man of all time, yeah. basically. Um, yeah, so they usually just don't pay any attention to you, which is kind of liberating, right? What do you think watching the U.S. election makes Canadians, how, how does it make them feel about themselves and their own government? Yeah, I think it makes them feel awesome. I think they, I think that's why, <laughs> that's part of why they, they watch it. I mean, whatever, whether they're fans of oh, yeah. Prime Minister Trudeau or or not, um, I think there's a sense, there's a real sense of superiority. Uh, I think Canadians had it when they watched the, the George W. Bush elections, and they have it again now. And I think that that accounts for part of the, the popularity of, of U.S. election watching as like sport. You know, one of the most common questions I'm asked by everyone on the trail uh, from the primaries to now is like, what do, what do your people like think of all this? You know, what do they think of Mr. Trump or what do they think of Ted Cruz? Um, and often I think they're they're surprised uh, by the answer. Like, you know, I have to break it to Trump supporters gently that Canadians uh, think largely that, you know, they're they're out to lunch. And would you, so would you say your your audience overwhelmingly has that view of just like what is going on in America there? I, I think so. I mean, it's it's anecdotal, you yeah. know. Of I, I mean, I, yeah. the, a lot of the Canadians I talk to, that's exactly, it, it, it seems incomprehensible, I think, to a lot of Canadians. Yeah, absolutely. I think, it, you know, Canadians would have leaned Clinton no matter what. Yes. Um, but with Clinton-Trump, yeah, I think it's it's overwhelming. And, and Canadians have been polled on this election and it's it's at least two thirds, I think closer to three quarters uh, maybe even more of Canadians prefer prefer Clinton to Trump. Yeah, so I don't think my my own sample is is unrepresentative at all. I'm wondering if you that, that, like if you feel any pressure for that to color your reporting a little bit because I mean Trump is so unpopular in Canada and especially I mean you're writing for the Toronto Star, which is a very urban newspaper. And I, I mean, if you were to the more it seems to me that you were to kind of like ridicule Trump, the better that would play with your audience. And I'm wondering whether you you start you feel that like pull like oh if i if i was a bit more snarky here i could i'll get whether that yeah. enters into it that's interesting i i um i mean i i try to resist and i have to i see it on twitter where you know i read an article about clinton like i wrote one uh, the other day about how her penchant for secrecy is is hurting her mm-hmm. um and it got like 20 retweets and i'm sure a similar article about trump would have had like you know, at least a hundred, and sometimes they go semi-viral and have like five hundred, a thousand. Um, yeah, so I, I have no illusions that my like the people who are following me and reading me in Toronto like Trump, but um, I can't let it d- determine what I write. I will say that the the nice thing about writing for a Canadian outlet and the Star in particular is that they've let me um, say factual things that are you know strongly 
critical, but that many Americans, I don't know if they, they are at liberty from their, their outlets to write. Um, so I'll say that a Trump claim is nonsensical, mm-hmm. um, or I'll say that it's patently untrue. And that's, I don't think that's opinion. I think that's reporting. But I think um, in, in the language, I have a, a kind of freedom um, that I might not have if I was working for the, the Times or the Post or something. That was Daniel Dale. He's the Washington correspondent for the Toronto Star. Next up, Scott Roman. He's a Canadian comedian and political satirist and writer for the sketch comedy show This Hour Has 22 Minutes. He's been following the U.S. election and writing about it. Hey, Scott, thanks for joining me. Hello. Thanks for having me. You have a couple of political characters. One of them I would describe as this, like, oblivious conservative correspondent who interviews real people about fake news stories. Some call windmills an important part of a sustainable future. Others call them monsters that ruthlessly hack away at the air we desperately need for breathing. Another was the real you, but amped up as a kind of folksy politician character running in a fake Senate election. The joke being that in Canada, the Senate is an appointed body. But one man is fighting back, striking out on his own to innovate our democracy with a fresh, crisp approach to how we choose our senators. I'm Scott Vroman, and I'm holding Canada's first Senate election against these three appointed senators. And I want your vote. Canada. Is so what is fun for you about satirizing politicians and political culture as a character? Uh, I find it helps to come at it from a more positive, fun angle. I just find it really enjoyable to take a more happy-go-lucky stance or just sort of embrace instead of like pointing at the absurdity, embracing it and running with it and taking it even further. Have you tried to satirize Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Yeah, I I actually just spent a week coming up with premises for the U.S. election for 22 minutes. And yeah, it's like you you guys just have this, it's just like a buffet uh, (laughs) compared up here. It's just wonderful. Yeah, you're welcome. It, it also like, I mean, the flip side is though that it, it like Trump takes up so much oxygen, like it kind of atrophies your comedy muscles because you do, you don't even have to do the legwork. It's just what did Trump say yesterday, and then just to kind of show it and talk about it. But there are so many people exasperated and confused by it that just seeing someone tee off on it is is a catharsis. What about Clinton? The amazing thing for me about Clinton is, like, she can do anything. I mean, like, she might lose. It might, like, it's not, it's not a total runaway yet, but you're given so much le- – like, how could you mess this up? Like, it's it, – how could you fumble this gift? Is there an element of, like, Canadians just being so excited that – like – like, is there like an element of moral superiority here? Yeah, there there is, but I totally like rejected. Like when I see Canadians doing that, I'm like, come on, guys! Like we we have just as much stupid stuff. We had Rob Ford was the mayor of Toronto. A queen is our head of state. We have no right to be uppity about the United States. <laughs> but we just, we don't just have a queen. We have like a monarchist league of Canada. Like we have fans of the queen. We have a young monarchist league of Canada. We have young people who love monarchy. I find it comforting to think that it's not just us. You guys are weird too. 
Yeah, you guys are weird, though. Don't get, get up <laughs> to yourselves. <laughs> you guys are very confident. Very confident. I mean, Scott's not wrong there. I mean, Canada is kind of just went through a mirror image of what's happening here in the States. I mean, like one thing I've noticed since being down here and talking to a lot of Donald Trump supporters is that it's this this deep discontent with Washington is what's fueling this. I mean, people just really don't like the establishment and the way things have been going. And they see Hillary Clinton as a symbol of that. So that Donald Trump's outsider status is what's driving this movement. Well, we kind of just had a mirror version of that in Canada with Justin Trudeau. We had a very unpopular conservative uh, prime minister. And so we all just threw our eggs overwhelmingly in the basket of like a hot son of a former <laughs> prime minister who was a drama teacher before it became a politician. And nothing against drama teachers, but like, I don't know if that's going to be particularly relevant skill set when it comes to like balancing a budget. Wait, so- I just, no, I just want to stop to interrupt you for a second. I think it is so weird the way Canadians say drama. The word is drama. You don't uh, say drama. No, nah, it's drama. <laughs> All right. Don't sorry. Give me any of this I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I did. I did mean to interrupt. <laughs> Go on, please. American of you. Um, so, I mean, we, it's just, you know, when you add in like sort of the the 30%, everything has to be 30% more over the top in America, you, you would, instead of just being a drama teacher, it becomes like a TV game show host. And <laughs> so here we are with Donald Trump. And of course, but like, I mean, and the, the political spectrums are also completely reversed as well. But can, Canadians, sh- yeah, shouldn't think that, oh, this. This is so. This is so uh, uh, stupid. Like, oh, the Americans are so dumb for letting this happen. Like, that would never happen here. When I mean, there, there, there are parallels. I mean, just because you don't see why this movement is is formulating doesn't mean there aren't real reasons behind it. I think there are valid, valid reasons behind people wanting to just put their support behind someone who is not an establishment. You know, the, the term the establishment politician. What's your favorite Trudeau meme? Uh, there is a brilliant... Okay, again, this won't maybe make sense to Americans, but Trudeau was seen as kind of ditzy for a long time. <laughs> he, he wasn't a great speaker at the beginning, and he always put his foot in his mouth. So there is this leftover kind of meme from that era called Trudeau Googles. And it's a Twitter account. You can look up Twitter Googles. And it just, it's its his search history. And it is so funny. It is so... And like... It, um, okay, yeah. So, like, uh, just as a random example, like, one after uh, an embarrassing, like, political moment he had one time where he had to apologize for something, you know, the Trudeau Googles that day was tie colors that express regret. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's my favorite for sure. Canadians know so much about american politics yeah i mean has that always been your experience growing up have you always been following u.s politics it's always been there for sure yeah yeah i mean it's it's canadian politics and american politics intermingle in the news cycle in canada uh, pretty much in lockstep so yeah we always we've always, we've always been following you guys so ca- canadians know so much about america yeah do you think Americans know anything about Canada? <laughs> like, no, no, nothing at all. Uh, whenever, if I, I, you know, and if I tell someone from from Nova Scotia and they even know where that is, I'm 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 thrilled. I mean, it, not not at all. This, by the way, has been a long running thing in Canada. One of our most famous comedians used to have this 
uh, regular regular segment, and then a full on uh, TV special called "Talking to Americans," where the joke was just he would go down and interview Americans about Canada, and it, except it was all made up. So he would talk about like the Canadian twenty three hour clock, or like the bridge from one side of the Canada <laughs> to the other, or like uh, you know living in igloos and things like this. And our Capitol building in Canada is actually a downscale cap- downscale model of your Capitol building, except it's it made out of ice. And Americans would take him seriously and just like, well, yeah, and then give their opinions on it. Would you be interested in visiting the uh, Canada's National Igloo? Absolutely. Yeah? Sure. Congratulations, Canada, on preserving your igloo. Congratulations, Canada, on preserving your National Igloo. And we ate it up. We lapped it up. It was so popular. Just because, I don't know, whether it's out of like feeling kind of like just jilted or or like it's an inferiority thing i don't know but it's definitely like a long running part of the canadian psyche is that we kind of pay so much attention to you guys and you guys just see us as america's hat i'm governor mike huckabee of arkansas wanting to say congratulations canada on preserving your national igloo Uh, well paul i'm very glad that you came on the podcast today to tell us more about canada uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. I hope I don't get deported. <laughs> no One Knows Anything is produced by me, Meg Kramer, with editorial oversight from Kate Nassara and Eleanor Kagan, and production help from Julia Forlan. Our music is composed by Beauty Pill. Subscribe to No One Knows Anything on iTunes to follow our coverage through the election. You can email us, we're no one knows anything at buzzfeed.com, or find us on Twitter, we're at no one knows. And we'll be back soon with more things we don't know.